Welcome to ESG Energize, where we discuss the latest developments in the environmental, social, and governance arena that are impacting the energy industry today. Here is your host, Delfina Govia. This is Delfina Govia, your busy business boss, executive, strategist, and transformational leader, whose mission on this show is to educate, engage, and energize the global community on topics of sustainability and ESG. ESG Energized audience, we've got a special treat this week. Last week, I forced you guys to listen to an episode from my colleague and co-host on the Oil & Gas Global Network's show called Oil & Gas Geopolitics by Jordan Driscoll. And that show's going to change names. We're going we're to get into that in a minute. So I made you guys listen to that show last week. So I thought it would be really fun if we could have Jordan, the man, the myth, the legend himself, that is incredibly humble on this show today. Unbelievably so. so. On the show to continue the discussion, particularly on that episode, which was titled 10 Recent History Geopolitical Events with impact on the energy industry. So with that big, long, giant introduction, Jordan Driscoll, welcome to ESG Energized. Why, thank you, ma'am. And I believe my show's not the only one that's getting uh, a rename at some point, is it? No. Are we allowed to talk about that? Let's talk about the rename. So I know that yeah. you have. Like I wanted to rename mine from oh, day no, one. Oh no, you have been from the moment. Yeah, you have been yeah. very vocal about that since day one, letting the entire before world before my show even <laughs> aired. Yes, <laughs> I was, I was fighting because it was the one thing that business daddy Lacour, our yes. boss, said that I couldn't do. He said you can do anything on your show you want to do, but you have to have this name. And so I gravitated towards. I have to change this name and I'm going to whine about it for all of time and to give me what I want on this. And I believe I'm right about it. And what I think is great is in our last staff meeting, like what, two, three days ago, yeah. we're, we're Delphine and I in there and Mark goes, um, you know, Jordan, you need to change the name of your show. And I was like, no kidding. Dude. No kidding. No dude, way. Really? No way. You're freaking gaslighting Shocking, me here. Groundbreaking. <laughs> Listen, VP of sales in my day job, it's the long con. You make them think it's their idea, and then boom, you get it done. That's right. That's right. (laughs) And you got to change yours now, too, which might be collateral damage. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, As uh, my audience knows, because they they follow the show and they they follow the the current events, the letters E, S, and G have become pretty uh, controversial and politically charged. So we're a lot of organizations are not abandoning ESG uh, mm. concepts and GSG goals and uh, aspirations. Aspiration is the word I'm looking for, but just the, the, the letters ESG themselves. And I agree with it. I, I agree that it's become politically charged and it has been a mechanism for professional services companies uh, to make a ridiculous amount of money helping companies uh, do the right thing when they themselves don't know what they're doing. They're just making it up as they go along. So anyway, <laughs> so, uh, that's my rant. I, I have a thought. I have an idea here. I, I'm just going to throw this go out there. It's just, just spitballing. 
Okay, so the whole idea is we want to move away with your show from the name ESG because it's quote-unquote politically charged. What if we just lean into it, you know? Here's what I'm thinking. We change the name of your show from ESG Climate Change, Trump, Biden, and Religion. Oh, I love it. I love it. Just hit – lean into it hard. Really lean into it. Yeah, I love it. I, I think that's that's the way to go. I think that's the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's. I don't know why Mark still <laughs> employs me. <laughs> it's the it's the entertainment value. <laughs> so what we're going to do on this show, and it is going to be incumbent upon you, Mr. Driscoll, is we are going to take. First of all, we didn't do it. The inaugural sip of coffee. Oh, yes. We, gotta, we missed the inaugural yeah, sip of coffee, which we're going to do now. Okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Cheers. Yes. There's mm. the slurping. You're here on both working on our Working on our – that's right. Working on our ASMR video right here. <laughs> it's going to be our second gig. <laughs> and it's going to be incumbent upon you to invoke a sip whenever you so decide to invoke a sip. Yeah, when I have to make a, a point dramatically, okay. I'll, I'll have oh, a sip. Can I, I mean, can I invoke yeah, a sip if I have go. to make a dramatic point? This is a free country. A free you can, sip yes, you can. country. I empower you to do that. All right. That's right. <laughs> okay, so reminding my audience, last week, uh, I had you guys listen to to that episode of Jordan's, which was about 10 recent his, history, recent history glo- geopolitical events. And what struck me when I originally listened to that episode was the, uh, the, the coincidence it has with this show here, because a lot of the topics tied, uh, directly into the current discussion stay around climate change and what's happening in the ender- energy industry with alternative fuels and renewables and blah, 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 blah. My, my, my audience knows it well. And so, um, I really wanted to to talk about this list with you further because, you know, you went through 10 things and you gave your little summary of it. But I think that there might be some things that are could be fun to talk about uh, a little bit further, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So here's I'm just going to read the list off very quickly for the audience just as a reminder for them because you know them, yes. I know them. But just for the audience, here it goes. And this was And also just before you go. do that officially, okay. I have to say thank you for listening to I had no idea you actually listened to my show until you told me that. <laughs> I I'm always surprised people listen to it. Whenever I get like people oh, I love uh, I'm always surprised. Well, it's a pleasant surprise. We love that, but we just don't I assume no one does. I assume I record it. People do work, they put it out there, and nothing actually happens. That's what I think. So thank well, you. I'm very flattered. It's a podcast. Me. You don't get immediate feedback. You know, it's not like it's right. not you're not like Fraser Crane on, you know, where <sighs> listeners are calling. Getting in. my phone calls <laughs> live in, yeah. Well, maybe we should Yes. We should. Oh, nice Fraser. <laughs> I love Fraser Crane. Anyway, and that's that show's back. Oh, and they got that's the new right. thing coming out. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's anyway, right. so here's the list. All right. Number 10, and these were in chronological order. Number 10, 1979, Jimmy Carter's speech on the 5th of July. Number nine was the Chernobyl disaster of 1986. Number eight was the 1997 Kyoto Protocols. Number seven was the 2000 to 2001 California energy crisis. Number six was the 2010 Deepwater Horizon. Number five, the 2011 Fukushima nuclear disaster. Disaster. 
Number four, the 2014 to 2021 Brazilian car wash scandal. (laughs) Number three, 2015 Paris Climate Accord. Number two, the 2018 Iran nuclear deal. And number one, the 2022 Russian invasion of Ukraine. So here's my first question to you. You listen to them in chronological order. And you specifically said on your show that they were chronological and not in order of importance. If you have to Mm -hmm. go back and look at those, which would you pick out as the most important and the least important? If that's even a fair question to you. Oh, um, probably. So that's tough. Because the, 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 so it's tricky with historical stuff like this, I think, because the stuff that happens most recently is always the stuff that like seems to be the most impactful because you're dealing with it like live. Whereas Jimmy Carter's malaise speech, you're like, okay, the old man put on a card again and bitched about us swearing too much and having too much to do with OPEC and you know, Department of Energy and the 55 mile an hour thing and all that sort of stuff. And you're like, okay, I mean, there are, there are lasting effects, right? Like there's still places in in the U S that 55 is, I can't drive 55. You know, (laughs) we got that going on. Um, Hashtag Sammy Hagar. I know, right? I Uh, can't drive 55. (laughs) So, so I mean, uh, so you, you know, you look at that and you're like, okay, well that did have like some effects, but honestly today, how much of those effects are like really weighing us down? Whereas the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we're obviously like dealing with the very real impacts today, but rewind the clock 30 years ago when you could not drive any faster than 55. I mean, you had the brand, you know, all the new regulations coming out. So, I mean, I, I don't know that I can answer that fairly because my immediate answer is, oh, it's. Uh, Paris Climate Accords, Russian invasion, uh, uh, probably like um, Deepwater Horizon. It's like it's almost it's almost a reverse chronological order in my. So opinion. let me ask what, you, just because because of, of, the, of you're feeling it more now, right? And this second we're living and, through it. And the other, the reason why I have a follow up question to that, the other th- reason that that could be the most difficult for uh, people listening today is that I am a baby boomer. I very much remember 1979. That's when I started mm-hmm. working in the oil industry was 1979. I didn't even exist you, back then. So, so there you go. The and now? so <laughs> for me, having lived through all of this, I would probably have a different perspective than you. So let me ask the question a little differently. Mm. Let's uh, time travel uh, let's say 30 years into the future and we look yes. back on all of it, which do you think might bubble up in a history lesson as to probably be having the most impact long-term? Hmm. I think, the, uh, hmm. So I think depending upon how the situation with Ukraine plays out, because that's all about energy, yep. whether most people don't seem to realize that, but it's all about energy. Um, I think how that ends is going to be a big factor. I think um, uh, Paris Climate Accords are going to be a huge deal. 
for years to come. And I also think Fukushima and Chernobyl, because of the impact they had on nuclear, that has lasted for decades and will continue to last for decades mm-hmm. as we start moving towards proper fusion technology. Right. I think that stuff slowing down nuclear's development and use and all of the sort of negative things that go along with that, I think those are going to have kind of some interesting – at some point, someone's going to sit now in the history book and say, we would have developed clean fusion technology sooner if, if only, only ha- we hadn't stopped working exactly. on it. But yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I definitely, definitely see that. I definitely see that. So I think the other thing too is that, you know, if you just look at the list in and of itself, you could argue that, you know, Jimmy Carter's speech, eh, speech in and of itself, it really, I mean, the speech, if we look back on that, of course, you were not born, but I was, the speech in and of itself wasn't the significant uh, event, even though it was a significant event, mm-hmm. it was it was everything that preceded that. It was right. It was all the surrounding all stuff, the surrounding absolutely. stuff, and the I still have in my my head uh, the pictures of the gas lines. You know, I used to visit New York. I I was not in this country mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, I was living in Venezuela, but visiting i would come every summer and i would <laughs> <laughs> i would i would visit new york city at once a year and i remember yeah. those horrific gas lines and you know carter delivering that speech was just kind of a slap in the face of everything that had gone on before with the gas lines with you know the bungling of the international mm-hmm. relationships and around the ha- handling of oil so it's it, you could say that that time, the relationship that the United States uh, was developing and was continuing to develop with Saudi Arabia, the the presence or the power of OPEC, the mm-hmm. relationship that a sitting president had with his and future her uh, constituents, mm-hmm. um, that that formed, I think, a lasting and argue with me here. I think that formed a lasting list of list of lessons learned for sitting politicians to use. And go ahead, yeah, argue with me on that one. I don't know that I can necessarily argue I'm, in so much as I think politicians manage to learn anything. Um, <laughs> okay. Fair. You know, if that were the case, we we wouldn't have a lot of the foreign policies we have. Thanks, Woodrow Wilson. No. And by the way, uh, if you don't know why I don't like Woodrow Wilson, I did a whole episode on it called I Hate Woodrow Wilson and So Should You. I'll be re-releasing that in April for tax day. Spoiler alert. Fantastic um, episode, by the way. You guys have got to listen to it. I, I, it's one of my favorite. I'm gonna, re- I'm gonna, I'm gonna redo that. It was and now that I'm a little bit better on the mic. I'm gonna redo okay. that one. But anyways, point is, point is, uh, it, it, I, there's a lot of the zeitgeist at the time, right? Like you lived through all of those those experiences, and politicians had to navigate that, and um, and I don't really know that I can argue with that. Uh, they. 
the the biggest i mean you know obviously things have changed now because it's less about opec and more about climate change and we have to you know the polar bears and all the things and don't be wrong like there's an argument to be made you know and all of that but the i don't even know where i'm going with this i'm just rambling kind of i just i don't i don't you know honestly i still think i can argue with that on that one i think i agree with you well uh, well, that's scary oh boy (laughs) I don't, I, 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 if I think of a reason why you're wrong, oh I'll tell you God, later. Oh, God, that's scary. <laughs> All right, so here's the next question. Go for it. Why this list? Uh, so a couple of reasons. One, it, so if I wanted to go back really far, I could have. But No, you said recent, so when I you sit said down recent to, history. So well, I didn't, I did, I'm not I taking did, you I to did. task on, on starting with 1979. Sure. Uh, it's more more or less ballpark close to the amount of time I've been alive. A few years earlier than me, but it's, it's in the neighborhood, okay. you know. Um, they were things that I could make a straight line tie that have impact on us today in some way, shape, or form. And they were things that, uh, honestly, I could make funny jokes about. Because one of the goals on my show is to like talk about interesting things and, and educate but also to not be boring and to make it kind of funny. And I could crack jokes on all these things and uh, get my point across. And so that's, that's why we got this list. Entertainment I, value. I did actually bust out laughing a couple of times listening listening to that episode, which is – Well, I knew with your with your time in South America, you know, my favorite things about Brazil, the waxing and the come at me bro Jesus statue. I mean – I know. When you said the come at me – like the come at me bro Jesus statue, I'm like, oh my god, the Corcovado, oh my god. <laughs> I'm well on my way. Hashtag cancel Jordan. Uh, well on my way. To- <laughs> so, so, so quick sure. aside note, I, I was not able to visit the Corcovado when I was working in Brazil because I was being such a raven, raving biatch uh, one day that my team abandoned me. And they're like, we, we can't, we just can't put up with it. And they all went to the Corco. They escaped to the Corcovado for the day and left me <laughs> writhing in my misery and fury over something that had occurred on a project that we were delivering down there. So that, that's a quick aside. Anyway. <laughs> so you did not get to see, you know, see Come At Me Bro I Jesus statue. I did not statue. get to see Come At Me Bro Jesus statue, even though we looked at it Which every day. Which is so fun to say. It really is. So fun it, to say. Yes, I, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> anyway, um, so here's the question. What didn't make the list? Because I've got a couple that immediately, I'm like, where's this? Where's this? What did not mm-hmm. make the list? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. I don't know that I, uh, I don't think I kept notes of what didn't make the list. Oh, okay. Okay. Let me, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I keep very copious notes about what I actually – because I have a lot of facts and details, so yeah. I have like – my notes are a little obnoxious. Uh, but I usually – the stuff that I just delete it. I really should keep that because I could use it for material That's later true. on. I just didn't think that far ahead. Um, what do you well, think should have made were, the list or could have that didn't get there? There were a couple. There were a couple. Um, okay. Drop it on me. Uh, we're going to go in chronological order. Oh, I there's love only, that. There's only two. I was just scribbling when I listened to the episode. I scribbled a couple down. So here's the first one. And I'm absolutely yeah. shocked that you would not have said, Delfina, you're going to say this. The 1998 election of Hugo Chavez 
as the president of Venezuela. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, he just threw his pen down on the desk. He's falling out of his chair. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I... Come on, man. How could I have missed that? How, there's so much material there. I've done an episode about freaking Chavez. How Ooh, did I miss I that? I missed your Chavez episode. <laughs> you did. Well, it was about Venezuela, and he was a big part of it. I um, missed that episode. That must have been like last yeah, year. Yeah, I can't remember dude. what it was. Okay, I'm going to look for no, it. No, no. I mean, I've only been on air this year. Okay. Um, I'll look for it. It, it. Yeah, it's somewhere in there. I couldn't tell you what it's called, but it exists. How did I miss yeah. that? Oh, my Seriously. God. Yeah, dude. Uh, listen, listen. To quote Walter Wright, you got me. All right, all okay. right, all right. I mean, man, that is just. Okay. Oh, that little doughboy, and I missed that? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Gee, all right. What's the, the next the, well, the next nightmare the, that I'm going to go? No, I don't know. Right. I, I think this one is, um, it just, it hits close to home here in in Texas, as a lot of things in the oil industry do. Right. Okay. All but right. this one also ties into the this a discussion that we can have around the 2010 Deepwater Horizon, and that was the Texas City refinery blowing up in March of 2005. I mean, I remember that like it was yesterday, and you know, yeah, and see that um. Okay, that one I, I would not. That would not have Chavez should have been on there because for all the reasons, the the refinery explosion. I don't even remember. Um, let's see, twenty two thousand five. I was in Texas at that point. Probably I might have been deployed when it happened. I actually can't remember because I was still in the military. Um, yeah, that. I'll I'll put it to you this way. Aside from reading about it in the news at some point when it happened. I don't think I've ever actually had anybody bring it up in conversation or that's had any impact to me that I have noticed or witnessed or been part of. So that wasn't even on my radar as a thing. Huh. But you you were in the industry and doing all the things. Right. So you would you would have more impact from and that. It's there was a little bit of a of a funny uh domino effect in the leadership at BP, which and that's why I, I readily taught thought of t- <laughs> Okay, you know where I'm going. Man, they just like yeah, what the yeah, hell, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, and BP, man, I love how their executive like it's all <laughs> for such a big mega corporation. I'm like reading the stuff their guys say or the decisions they make in a crisis. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, really. That's the that's the play. I uh, know, right. and it was it was cool. actually that that incident at Texas City that paved the way to the two executives, Hayward and, um, oh, what's his puss? Uh, 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 Manzoni. Manzoni. You know, Hayward and Manzoni vying for the leadership position once Sir Lord Emperor King of the Universe Brown finally retired, that, you know, who was going to take the top spot. And of course, the, the Texas City refinery incident just wiped Manzoni out of the running and you know, right. they were just slid right into that spot. And then listening to uh, he was well on his way to his own disaster. He was disaster, on his so. way to his own disaster, right? And then listening to to you uh you know jokingly uh repeat some of the ridiculous comments that came out of his mouth at, at the time of, of Macondo was just you know, it, it gave me a chuckle. 
And then I, I love the yeah. oh, it's just you know, it's it's not that much oil like compared to the size of the whole ocean. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> really, really? <laughs> okay, man. That it, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Again, you're not technically wrong. You're not technically wrong. (laughs) But like you said, if you come and you spill, what did you say? You spill something in my living room? A gallon of milk in my kitchen. (laughs) I'm still going to be pretty pissed. Like it could be a problem. Exactly. Exactly. But it also, I mean, and putting the jokes aside for for just a minute, I think that, that what it also does is it highlights in both situations both the the Macondo incident and the Texas City Refinery, it highlights the industry's uh, focus, in, mm-hmm. intense focus on safety, you know, health, HSE, mm-hmm. health, safety, and environment, and how here we had a a major, a super major organization um, fall flat in in that regard, mm-hmm. and. Well, and it's it's you know with the and there's more to the deep water thing oh, and huge. probably the Texas refinery than I know about. Certainly, I've not done a big deal. People have asked for it on my show actually, and it honestly, Mark has asked for it. I've had a couple of listeners write in and say, "Oh, you ought to do an infamous scandals about this." And I just I've not yet found enough. I don't know what the hook is that makes it interesting. It's got to be something wacky that where I'm just going to go, "What?" Uh, it seems like it's just an industrial disaster. Um, nope. Which I'm probably wrong about, but somebody's gonna have to tell me why why I'm interested. Um, but you know, these companies they uh, listen. Nobody in oil and gas. I've yet to meet a single person in oil and gas uh, that actually truly goes. I want to screw up the environment. I want to dump a bunch of oil in the oceans, and I want to burn down some rainforests. That's just what I like doing. I've not met a single person yet that that is their actual stated aim. Exactly. Right? Nobody wakes up in the morning that I know, that I've met in my decade plus of time in this industry, that goes, let's screw the environment over today. That's what I'm down for. Nobody wants to do that. Absolutely not. Everyone cares. I mean, my God, how many people in oil and gas like to go out and hunt and do safaris and spend time in nature? I mean, these aren't monsters that are looking to, like, raise mountains and burn down the forests. And so there I I it mean, maybe it's rose-colored lenses, but I think most of these folks are trying to do the best they can while trying to extract the resources that you know we need to fuel human progress and all of that and they deal with these crises in general as best they can with the with the tools available. Accepting the fact that of course sometimes executives are so far removed from things that they just say stupid stuff that Sounds really bad on air. Um, so I, I agree with the. I think I agree with you that executive hubris is a problem, right? And which oh, sure, and, yeah, and that's anything. Anything. Elon Musk is a great oh, example. Oh my gosh, yes. And <laughs> and and you you highlight that beautifully when you talk about uh, which number was at the um, uh, the California energy crisis. You know the hubris of the of the, oh, well, the Enron yeah. people, right? <laughs> oh my mean, God, but. It's the it's the leadership it's it's leadership uh, that sets the culture and the attitude within an organization mm-hmm. that trickles down, and hundred percent you know and so we've we're becoming as an industry we are starting to understand that while we don't have 
we're not well-oiled machines when it comes to public relations, public relations and marketing. We, we sure are. That's we're the worst we're, at it. We're not we're, the worst. We're pretty. We're pretty, pretty bad. bad. We're not as bad as 1946 Mercedes Benz. They had an image problem, primarily that that was the favorite car of Adolf Hitler, <laughs> which they overcame that image. Okay, we aren't we aren't that bad, but we aren't great. Yeah, yeah. But we're we're starting to understand that there's a a softer side to energy for lack of a better way mm-hmm. to say it and that yeah. ties directly into the dedication that our major oil companies have towards developing renewable fuels and renewable technologies they're not doing it mm-hmm. out of uh, out of a, a philanthropic um perspective. It's, no. it's all to make money, but they do understand that the dig in your heels, there's a PR, there's a, side, there's of a PR side of it as well. You know, we're always going to make money, but there's a, the PR side of it is as well. hundred percent. And part of, I, I, I'll, I'll say this one thing I've known, and I think I've said this on my show. I can't remember if I have or not, but I'll say it here. Um, it's not my audience. Who am I alienating? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, joking. Bring it. Um, Let's do it. I think um, the one thing that I think about the energy, like sort of the way that historically the energy sector, especially in the past couple of decades with renewables and all that stuff, the energy sector gets very self-righteous about its role in society. We we are providing energy. You need us to survive and have plastic to do this. We're holding the whole world. We're Atlas with the whole world on our shoulders. Okay, dude. Yeah, we get it. We get it. We get it. We get it. Listen, okay, in the whole world, the war against energy and all that that's going on, the bully pulpit we're so important thing isn't going to do the job. Okay, I think about this as Vietnam. we got to win hearts and minds. We can't get in people's faces and slap them with the facts of how they need – yeah, you're you're not wrong. We do need energy, and energy is important, and oil and gas isn't going anywhere tomorrow, and people need to realize that there's like all sorts of things beyond just – I mean, you can turn every car tomorrow into an electric car, and that doesn't solve like anything that people are like. There's South Africa's 80, 90% coal plants that are with no kind of EPA oversight, and there's lithium mines for batteries that cause huge amounts of. Like, there's, you guys are right. You're correct. All this stuff, there's lots of different components to it. You're not wrong. You gotta stop getting on the high horse and just like trying to tell people how important you are and how wrong they are. You gotta win hearts and minds. And I think we're getting a little better at that, but as an industry, we got a ways to go. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. And we we have to continue to showcase the where we put our money where our mouths our mouths is, right? It's we're right, actually right. doing that in this industry. So, you know. Um, all right, let's talk about a couple of uh, things that I see. So I asked you what you thought were the most important ones are, and I really liked your response. That you know, it's whatever's the suit the the closest to us or the things that have last the longest. But I'm actually going to look at this a little bit more. Like what what of these events on that list could we take a look at and say might be the most impactful to? the current discussions around sustainability, because this is um, the mm-hmm. ESG energized, soon to be renamed a different name show uh, that I, different name that I like better. Um, and, you know, I'm just curious to, I'm curious as to 
your viewpoint on that topic? So I think the one that's to that topic, the one that's got the secret most impact is probably us pulling out of the Paris Climate Accords. Ah, yeah. That's the hidden impact because, and I think I brought this point up in the episode we're talking about, okay, the U.S. pulled out of it. The requirements in it were pretty weak, especially compared to the Kyoto Protocols. And then what that allowed all the states to do is say, oh, we're just going to make even more stringent requirements and screw you. We're going to do it even harder and more intense. Yep. And so now you've got multiple states with varying different levels of, of hard-ass uh, environmental regulations rather than one soft, fluffy set. Trump shredded that, and then all the states said, screw you. We're going to do it even harder. We're going to have 20 different states with 20 different sets of guidelines, and now you have to live with that. And so – that's the creeping, you know, domino effect of of these things. You know, for for former President Trump, that was, you know, oh, I get to have this thing where I shred this document and you know, I put my foot down about this and it all sounds good. But, okay, well, here's the domino effect. Now you have 20 different states with 20 different state-level agencies that are causing 20 different sets of problems for oil and gas. Yeah. Like you've made things worse without intending to, and it was a tricky consequence to foresee. I mean, I don't imagine – I can't fault the guy for not catching that. What I will say is just as soft as the language was in the Paris Climate Accord, why? That's not the one to double down on. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Well, we could have a discussion about that um, – the motivations of said individual – uh, right. We can, oh, we can't. I mean, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode, dude. That's a whole nother episode, but we'll just stay on a recording episode for my show. Okay. After this. We can do that. <laughs> 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 and you know, here's the other thing that I haven't had a chance to do on Saturday, December 2nd, the EPA finally finalized their climate regulations to reduce methane, you know, in, in, Conjunction okay. with the the COP twenty eight uh, that's that's going on, so I haven't yep, had a chance yep. to sit down and compare side by side those what twenty states are doing in comparison to what the EPA has finally uh, come down with, mm-hmm. and you know we know that they're they've got to agree to uh, put together over the next two years what their methane mitigation plans are going to be. But I haven't really had a chance to sit down and, and show if it's more or more or less uh, stringent than what some of the states have already done. So I know it's going to be it's right. going to be less than anything that California's come up with, right? Well, almost certainly. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe we can start California, man. That's a whole between their environmental regulations and the protective wall of debt. I mean, the last week they have what, $600 billion of state level debt, which is ridiculous. <sighs> Where is Arnold? Insane. We need Arnold back in the governor's I mansion. know, I know, I know the governor, man. Where, where is he? <laughs> but you know, here's, this is something I wanted to take you to task on. So, um, okay. one of the places I busted out laughing at, and while I agree with your sentiment, I disagree with um, the the idea that when the arrogant sons of guns <laughs> from Enron made those yeah. those uh, really contentious remarks 
against California. What was it? Something about they'll get their money back when they can sh- when they, they learn, learn how, how to, to vote. vote. There was a whole <laughs> lot of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I busted out laughing, and you kind of implied that they shouldn't have done that. And now sitting here today, looking at some of the ridiculous things that are coming out of California today, like with banning the sale of gasoline cars uh, in the state and that everybody has to drive EVs, but their infrastructure Mm -hmm. can't support the strain on that grid. I say, you know what? They do need to learn how to vote. It's like, that's just stupidity. I don't, I don't disagree. Like, eh, here's, here's, here's the thing. Like, it all comes back down to um, personal responsibility, right? First off, letting Enron uh, shaft an entire state <laughs> to generate profits. Okay, that was wrong. <laughs> that, like, I think we're on the same side on that one, we're, right? That like, was wrong. You don't agree. <laughs> You don't agree with how they're voting. You don't get to deprive them of electricity for that. Like that's that's not okay. We're not on that side. Um, but here's the thing. I kind of look at it like, you know, when like let's take Bush. Bush bailed out several. Uh, he started the bailout program when the economy was in the tanks, and then Obama kept it going and you know and all that. Um, but here's the thing. The whole idea, too big to fail? No, it's not, baby. Let it fail. Let the free market do its thing. Let these companies collapse. Nature abhors a vacuum. Let the state of California make its decisions. We don't need a corporation to come in and, like, deliberately screw people over. Let their own bad decisions do what they're going to do, and then they'll have to make their decisions around that. Um, And so that's kind of where I'm at is we don't want – I don't want the government – or some corporation just deciding to penalize people for how they voted. Their decisions will come back to haunt them in due course, um, or they won't. Maybe they'll be right, and we'll all be proven wrong. I don't know. That's the beauty of democracy and the marketplace of ideas. But having Enron put its finger on the scale, I'm not okay with that. Having the government put its finger on the scale, I'm not okay with that. Um, And certainly, regardless of all those things, you probably shouldn't say something like that in a recorded session when your company's getting investigated <laughs> by the feds. I'm just saying not a great thing to put on the airwaves. Does not look good on an indictment. No. no. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So there was something else I wanted to get I, – I wanted to circle back around yeah. to that I really want to highlight, especially for my audience. And – is is having a lasting impact today in a, mm-hmm. a negative effect, a negative way, and that is, and I'm cu- coupling together numbers nineteen and number five: the Chernobyl disaster of 1986 and the Fukushima um, mm-hmm. disaster of 2011. Then I'm going to throw one more into that in '79, which the mm-hmm. year that you started the list was the Three Mile Island. Uh, disaster. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah I could have done that. Was another. That was another piece of low hanging fruit that yeah, I missed. Yeah. So um, that's okay. That's okay. But taking those three things together, you you hit the nail on the head. The lasting uh, effects of the public in public relations and public opinion around nuclear energy is really putting us in 
a bind, so to speak, mm -hmm. and limiting our ability to decarbonize um, mm -hmm. today because I, I truly think yeah. so. I, uh, I'm a huge theoretical fan of nuclear energy. Now, yes, I work in the oil and gas industry and, you know, if you cut me open, I bleed oil. Okay. I love it. I love my dirty oil. <laughs> but, but, um, I also believe like I was having this conversation with somebody the other day and they were talking about, Oh, you can't ever get rid of You know, the usual Oh, you can't get rid of oil and gas. You gotta have it forever. Now, listen, man, at some point it's going to go away. Okay. 300 years ago, if you said that we're no longer going to use the horse and the donkey as the principal mode of, of industrial power, people would have thought you were an idiot. At some point, the horse and donkey went away as being the main source of like extra muscle on the farm. At some point, gasoline will stop being the main source of, of powering things. It will. The question is what's going to replace it. It's probably not going to be wind and it's probably not going to be solar because of all the limitations that we already know about. Those are fine things to supplement, but they're not going to, you're not going to power an entire city off wind farms and, and solar uh, power cells or whatever. What can actually do it though is some sort of nuclear, yeah. some sort of an atomic energy source. Now we got to do the research and make it throw off less radiation and make it more secure and make it not like blow up if bad things happen, which they frequently do. And I think we uh, like, <coughs> excuse me. I think we, I think personally we've lost a lot of research time by turning our backs on nuclear. I think that some version of that, like some sort of generation three, four or five level of like nuclear fusion, whatever is going to be the thing that at some point, whether it's 50 years or 500 years, that society moves to as the next major power source. It'll be something in that that vein. Um, and we're just losing time by not focusing on it. And all the people that talk about, oh, we want to protect the environment and stop oil and gas, and we want to plug up all the wells and you know throw all the Enrons of the world and, and the CEOs of the super majors in prison as just terrible monsters for liking oil and gas, they're, they're throwing all this shade on nuclear but the reality of it is that's the absolute best path forward yeah. to get energy at the level that we as the human race at this level of development need it with the least amount of problems for the environment, problems for cheap accessibility, uh, pollution, all the things. I mean, if you can make it better, that's the answer, I think. Um, and I think the fact that the environmental folks are like, lumping nuclear is just as bad and there's nothing there and it's a dead end road and don't do well, it. I think that's a huge it's mistake. It's a huge mistake. Um, huge mistake. Yeah. And this is not going to happen tomorrow, but we got to do the research and we got to figure yeah, it but out. That's part. That's one of the things that we talk about on this show all the time is that we're making proclamations. We're pointing fingers mm -hmm. and without having a, with, with, through ignorance, Right? This, right? We're stuck in the generation of people learning sound bites off of TikTok and not really understanding right. problems, concepts, solutions, science, and just, you know, saying things when they just don't know what the hell they're talking about. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, and we all are inclined to do it. Um, well, uh, yeah, but you. I mean, right? I mean, you yourself I, I'm with you. I'm are, with you. are very cautious about doing that 
right? You st- well, I try you, to be. I, I actively try yeah, to be. I mean, right? you but don't it's, talk about it's very easy to fly off the So, but it is. It is. It is easy to hi- fly off the handle. It is. It is. Yeah, I mean, emotions yeah. do run high. Because we all have opinions, and then and then people don't want to change it. Uh, you know, one of the most, probably one of the best things I ever. I have a buddy of mine who's a real annoying person to argue <laughs> with because. When we were younger, he was super smart. He would always – he knew a lot of things. He was very smart. And um, what made him the worst person to argue with is not that he was always right. He was – frequently I could dig up facts and throw facts at him and just do this whole like, you know, argument and get him there. And, um, you know, you have that satisfaction of like, yeah, I'm beating down all your points. And then just out of nowhere, he would go, oh, yeah, that's actually completely correct. I totally back that. <laughs> It just, and I'm like, but no, no, I've got like, I've got like a whole dossier here of things that I'm going to hit you on <laughs> that you're going to counter. And because for me, arguments like a sport, like I'll just take any position. I was literally at the bar last night with some friends and some guy was talking about how terrible Biden was. And I was like, you know what? I don't really like Biden, but I mean, let's just devil's advocate this. I've had a couple of drinks. Let's <laughs> play ball. You know? I, yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's a sport for me is arguing. I love a good argument. Uh, but this guy at the drop of a dime the moment that you've presented to him with enough evidence to where the math adds up in his head he goes i've completely changed my position on this now and i've accepted this position based on the new information i love that that is how i have worked to try and get closer to that it's tremendously frustrating to fight with though because again i mean just there's no excitement to it because he just goes oh yeah that makes complete sense now yep i completely changed my position (laughs) But you're actually bringing up a really good, really important point, right? Which is that these challenges that we're facing, these conversations that we're having, uh, whether it be how we are managing our relationships with uh, other energy producing nations, uh, whether it's at, you know, these at COP28, whether it's at conferences, Mm -hmm. whether it's just, you know, sitting at the bar having a discussion is we have to have the healthy debate. We have to encourage the oh, healthy yeah. debate. And, 100%. You know, and I think that that's one of the things that we try to do with our shows is to bring that debate to our audiences and allow them to, mm-hmm. to listen and react in the privacy of their homes or their cars or when they're, they're jogging listening to us, right? So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's – again, you've got to get different – Points of view exactly to know whether or not you're right or wrong, or if you're going to change someone else's opinion, right? Um, if you look at my news apps on my phone, good luck figuring out where I'm at on the spectrum, right? Because I've got Fox News, the People's MSNBC, Al Jazeera, Moscow Times, BBC World News, and I'll go through all of these um, and pick articles. And then I'll specifically uh, go to Ground News. That's another one I'm starting to like. It's an aggregator. And I'll be like, okay, what's not getting reported on, like, any of the the right-leaning news outlets? Okay, cool. What's not getting reported on any of the left-leaning? Like, I want to see all the different things. Because the reality of it is, if you're you're not looking at what the other side's saying, you're not getting the entire story. That's exactly right. And you can't – one – you're we're all probably wrong on some stuff. I say a lot of things on my show, which admittedly I might be wrong on. 
I'm just some guy. What do I know? Um, I try and do my research, but uh, what do I know? Yeah. Really? You know? Um, and so you just got to be willing to get out there and talk to people and like figure out like what, uh, and people have to be willing to change their, to look at information and then make that same like mind change decision. I'd be, yeah, you know what? I've always thought this way, but maybe I'm just wrong about that. And it's okay. But see, and that's why I liked this particular reading, listening to your show. And then in particular, this one show that you did on 10 recent, uh, recent history geopolitical events was that it gave us a list of things that we could sit back and reflect Mm -hmm. on and then think, and to, to what we were talking about earlier, we can look back mm-hmm. at what happened in 1979 and say, how does that shape how we're thinking mm-hmm. today? Or even, the, you know, you talked about the Kyoto Protocol in 1997 compared to the Paris Climate Accord in 2015. How is all of that shaping COP28? Mm-hmm. How is that shaping, 100%. right, public, public yeah. opinion? So- that ability to look at things, to analyze, and to have that spirited debate is really important. So with that having been said, Jordan, what I'd like is now to give you the opportunity Uh-oh. to – I went through your list, and I brought up things okay. that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. What should we ha- What should I have asked you about, and what should I have been prompting us to talk about on your list? Or – Something completely that wasn't even on the list. Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, uh, first off, I would never dare criticize you. You brought up everything that you should have brought up precisely correctly. (laughs) Um, Flattery will get you everywhere, Driscoll. Yes, yes, it will. Uh, So here's what I think. I think um, when I look at this list, like with – like. When I look at this list, and then I look look at the things in my shows that I've talked about, uh, Iran. Let's take the Iran deal one for an okay. example, right? We didn't really, really, um, really didn't talk about that one. We we didn't we didn't, and um, it's admittedly less sexy than some of the others. It's not as fun as nuclear bombs going off, <laughs> um, although it could lead there. Um, but we'll take that as an example. You know, and I, I've had a few conversations with folks that listen to the show, and they're kind of trying to like figure out because they couldn't quite. Let me be a little bit more clear my opinion. I mean, one, I've made no secret. I don't personally care for Donald Trump. Just not a big fan. He's not my guy. I get the appeal for the people that like him. I, I get it. I do understand it. He's not my guy. Um, and uh, but every president, including Donald Trump has done things that I understand I get or that I'm okay with. Yeah. I mean, I've talked at length about his China stuff that I agree with yeah. and things like that. And I agree with him on this one that this was a bad deal. Where I disagree with him on this particular issue is I don't think we should have pulled out. I think he should have doubled down on getting it renegotiated. Yeah. The reason I say that pulling out is a mistake is because we lost our seat at that table and let Russia and China get really deep in bed with Iran in a way that prior to us pulling out of that, they were not as in tight with. And so by doing something that I philosophically agree with, not, you know, agreeing to that deal, which again, I am with Donald Trump on that one. Philosophically, I get that and I'm I support that. But the unintended consequences, it let our strategic adversaries um 
it gave them an open door into a relationship that we're not really thrilled about now. I mean, I don't really like, if you want to talk about three nations, I'm not super thrilled about being best buddies these days. It's Iran, China, and Russia. Yeah. That actually struck me when I was listening to the episode. It's like, I hadn't quite thought of it that way. And I went, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And I get it because I agree with Donald Trump. It was a bad deal that could have done a lot more, but by walking, now we don't we aren't putting a piece to stop that from happening. And I'm like, man, that's just an unintended consequence. The same thing with um with Iraq. We took Iraq uh, from Saddam. Saddam was a bad guy. We all know it. I'm not losing any sleep over Saddam's d- departure from this mortal coil, but that did enable Iran to like move their their revolution into Hezbollah and into Syria and all those places. And the reason is, is because for all of the bad things Saddam was, he wicked hated Iran yeah. and he made sure that they were contained. We don't have anyone doing that now. And so there's just all these domino pieces of unintended consequences. And that's, you know, that brings us back to the Paris Climate Accords, right? For whatever reason, you know, whatever reason that that was the thing that like pissed Donald Trump off that particular morning and decided that we need to double down and pull out of this. Cool. Now here's all the other regulations we have to deal with at the state level because they wanted to stick it to you or whatever and felt like we weren't doing enough at the federal level. And also the Paris Climate Accords was so – So wishy-washy, so, right? It was choose your own yeah. adventure, guys. I mean, come on. what what? That's not the one to get out of. Uh, but I get it. Trump was in the mood to like shred a bunch of agreements and that's just the thing he was doing that day. And so, you know, whatever. But I, I wouldn't have done yeah. that. And I actually don't think that um, it back in 2015, even though, you know, the that was going on, I don't think that he could have looked into the future to say, ah, OK, that the right, and I yeah. can't. Right. I can't fault Donald Trump. For not foreseeing right. that outcome, like that is a very unpredictable butterfly effect kind of thing that I would not reasonably expect him or any other president to yeah. think through, right? Uh, I would actually expect a president, mostly because there's a bajillion military generals that think about this sort of stuff all the time, like Iran and Iraq. I know for a fact there are generals that would have been like, listen, George, man, uh, baby, there's some problems here. you got to be a little careful. If this falls, there's going to be a thing. We can't contain Iran. we got to do something. I know for a fact there are generals that had contingencies on that beforehand okay. and for whatever reason was dealt with. I don't expect that anybody would have easily foreseen for Donald Trump and been like, hey, Donnie, if you do this, it's going to cause this domino. That's not a realistic expectation of, of outcomes. Um but it just goes to show that even though it's not a realistic expectation of outcomes, it doesn't mean it can't happen because we're living yeah. through it. So, yeah. okay, Jordan. The you know yeah. final thought for my ESG yes. energized audience. Um, from you, for you to yes, for me. from you, for me. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think my final thought for your audience is. Not that I know your audience, not that I have a relationship with them. What I would encourage them, do the research, figure out the context of things, and keep an open mind. Don't be blinded by bias or sides or any of that because there's BS on both sides, and you've got to ruthlessly cut through it to get to the actual facts of what's going on to then determine 
what you should really think about something. That's my piece of advice. Okay. Or my final final thought thought or whatever. So here's my final thought. Ladies and gentlemen, you have now been treated to two episodes on my show of the fabulous, very humble, as you can tell, Jordan Driscoll. I absolutely encourage you guys to subscribe to his show, which, do we know the name? The new name is, is it? Context is for King. I know what I, or, I. I know what I want to name. I want to. This is actually the first time it's being spoken aloud in a recording. Do I have to have that edited so out? Be, do I have to tell our our editors to? Nah, that'd be fine. Nobody cares. It'll be fine <laughs> uh, unless this airs before. <laughs> in which case, I mean, like, so, <laughs> which actually, for the way I do my show, that sounds completely correct. Your audience should absolutely hear what the name of my show is going to be before my audience does. My people would expect nothing less. Um, what I'm thinking is context is for Kings is the main name. And then the sub name being um, history, current events and other magical tales by Jordan Driscoll. That's what I'm thinking about, which that's not even confirmed. That could just be a lie. I just told, we might name it something that's else true. the time it's done because I still have to get it cleared from the uh, boss. Yeah. So boss, daddy, liqueur. So the business daddy liqueur has got to give me that sign okay. off. All right. Well, Jordan, thank you so very much for, for joining me here on ESG energize. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Always is. Thank you. Join us again next week on the ESG Energized Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.